Um, so what was really important to me is that I was trying to overcome a lot of past stories instead of doing a healthy behavior for me. And I know when people start exercising, because I've seen this with clients, I've seen it with myself, that you do it for often an external reason, which is not always a bad place to start. But in order to be successful in the long term, like it has for me, I think you really have to transition into a, how does this help my life? How do I feel healthier? And it doesn't always have to relate to other people. That's Lindsay Heiserman, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. My guest today is Lindsay Heiserman. Lindsay's a personal trainer and life coach with over 12 years of experience working with a wide variety of clients. Her focus has always been on diving deeper and creating positive behavior change, right? She's not about the short-term quick fix. She's about helping the person evolve so the fitness can stick. She believes everything in life is connected. Work, family, health, social, they all influence each other. That's so crucial. We're not compartmentalized. And that's why I, I had to have her on here is she's got absolutely the right message about how it all comes together. And, and of course, that comes from a place of experience. And she's been through that herself. And that's so crucial also for why she's on here. She's got a story to tell. So we're going to get into it. I will say one thing. Um, at some point during the recording, we had a mic problem and um, tried to work through it. I think we recovered pretty well, but there's definitely a different audio quality in the second half. It's not terrible, but you'll probably notice a difference. I'm sorry. Um, the message is still awesome, so bear with it. Listen, and uh, we get back on track, and hopefully it's really valuable to listen to. Um, we'll jump in with Lindsay Heiserman, and hopefully... You find her as cool and inspirational and her story as useful as I do. Lindsay Heiserman, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm really excited to chat with you. Yeah, I was, you know, um, I was really excited to be on your show. And just because of that connection we have with, with some of the, the backstory there around, you know, past struggles around our own wellness and how that was part of an inspiration to move into certainly a more inspiring way of being and something that's more focused on health and, and trying to help others with their own health. So yeah, you know, I want to hear your story and share that with others is what got you to doing what you're doing today and maybe just starting with what it is that you're doing today. Yeah. Thanks so much. I have been a personal trainer for 12 years and I still am doing personal training, but I'm also developing the life coaching aspect of my business and the short story of that, how that came about, and I'll actually back that story up when we talk about more of my childhood. But along the way of doing personal training, I really realized that what I was doing had very little to do with the exercises that people were doing. I mean, movement is great. Getting into the gym is awesome. It's the foundation of what I really believe in. But ultimately, what I was doing with people was coaching them on behaviors. 
I would always say, you know, I want people to come to the gym and be in a better mood, a better mental state when they leave the gym. And so I went back to school for a graduate degree in counseling, thinking that that's really where I was going to head. Um, and as life has it, that's not what I ended up wanting to do, but it was a great education. And it led me to taking a life coaching certification and really ramping up what I already knew, which was, I just love coaching people to a healthier lifestyle, a healthier habits. So um, I'm currently developing a couple programs for young adults and teens, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about because they always say you coach the former version of yourself. And so, so true. yeah, so I'm really essentially just thinking back to what I would have wanted. Um, so I'm developing some really cool fitness and coaching programs for young adults, but that's what I'm currently doing. No, that, that's great. You said something a moment ago, and I didn't want to cut you off, but it just stuck with me is you're like, you know, you want people when they're leaving the gym to feel better than when they went in. And I'm sure that there are people who are like, you know, listening that are just like, oh, my God, that's not possible. How could you feel better <laughs> after? And to me, it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, I might be more tired, but I would certainly feel better. And I think that's a real shift for a lot of people as they think of going to the gym or working out or exercise or, you know, whatever it is in this sort of like punishment or um, it's, it's like uh, it's the way that they work off the things they enjoy or undo, you know, mm -hmm. they, they prioritize the, the foods that may not be helping them along their journey. And then exercise is the punishment they have to go through for eating that and to keep themselves as healthy as, as you know, they can be with that balance issue. But it is this, like, it carries all this weight to it. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that that's what stuck out for you because it was so natural for me. I taught a lot of um, group personal training. So, you know, anywhere from a small group, three to even sometimes up to 20 um, in a personal training class. And really my main goal was I want you all to have a great time. I want you to get to know each other. And seriously, I want you to have a better day after you leave the gym. And that became very much, I think, a key of my success as a trainer and why people stuck around for a long time, because it was a place to come and enjoy working out. And I'm also not the type of trainer that's going to just beat you to a pulp in a workout. So physically, yeah. you're not going to feel that way, which is helpful. I understand that, like, if you feel beat down, you leave and you're like, I can't possibly feel any better. Um, but yeah, I just think if you can get yourself into the mind frame of fitness and exercise, whatever term you use, as something that you enjoy that will make you feel better, it, it's a different ball game than that punishment game because I've played both. Yeah, and I, I think a big piece of it is not just, you know, having a great trainer who takes a more positive turn, which is really important, but doing things that you actually enjoy. So I, I got into this yesterday with someone who was like, what they were talking about for their fitness routine, it's all things that they dislike. And there are exercises they like, but for some reason they thought that wasn't valid. Like do things you like mm -hmm. if you want to keep doing it. Yeah. And I'll share a little personal story on that note. I had an interview myself on my show with a woman who is also a personal trainer, but she focuses a lot on body image and mindset, especially for women. And I said, you know, I kept wanting and chasing this physique that I was really after. And I kept lifting weights and doing these things that I really thought like, okay, if I do this, then I should get this, which is the body type that I was looking for. But it never seemed to really work out that way. And then about a year ago, because I do a lot of obstacle racing, I joined a ninja training gym. 
and I'm doing all these things that I never, ever, ever would have done. And it's really, really fun. And I have friends there and I look forward to going. I rarely miss. And guess what? The definition in my arms is what I wanted all the time when I was lifting. And it's because, yeah, I just let go of that. I should do this to get that and started doing something that was really fun. And I probably lift technically like I would have thought previously in my upper body. Rarely anymore. I just go to the ninja gym. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The people who do American Ninja Warrior, like their physique, it's really impressive. Just yeah. really cut and healthy. And their movement, it's not just the way they look. It's like the way that their bodies, the things that their bodies can do as a result of the training and the freedom of the training. That's really, it's really, uh, it comes across. Yeah. And it really was for me that I, I didn't play a lot of sports. And so I didn't develop a lot of those natural movements. And so it's been a challenge for me to be, to get in more tune with my body and how it moves versus I know how it moves in the gym, but getting it to move sort of athletically and with agility and strength and flow. And so it keeps my mind really active and, and I have fun. So to your point, find something that is fun and you'll be far more successful at those goals anyway. Now, that's great advice. We could stop there and just quit recording, but there's yeah, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much more. So there's, I mean, what got you into this in the first place? Like, were you always just super athletic and into it or, you know, I, I'm cheating because I know a little bit, but what's yeah, that? you do know what's some the of the answers. Yeah. Yeah. What got you there? Well, what I love about your story and your book and what you're helping people to learn is that there is often a moment for all of us, whether we recognize it or not. And I had a couple moments when I was young, um, and I'll give you those examples. I ran, and I say ran really loosely, but I think I was in the fifth grade, and we were doing a 5K or something with the school, or maybe it was with Girl Scouts. I don't really remember. But I, could, I couldn't run and my teachers were passing me. And I just remember thinking to myself, this can never happen again. Like this is just, A, I was so embarrassed and B, I thought, why can I not just move my body? You know, yeah. and I had, tried, I had tried to be in sports, you know, I had tried gymnastics and I had tried, you know, a few different things, but I was just not an athletic kid. Um, so that's one example. And then that proceeded to lead me to, doing step aerobics in my living room. And I realized how good I could feel doing exercise, which led me to the gym when I was about 14. And I got into strength training and I did dabble in some sports after that, but really it was getting into the gym. And I distinctly remember after that 5k and after a few more summers of just really wanting to be a fit person, I just made the decision that said, I am going to be a fit person and I value health and fitness in my life. And I don't know how long you want this story to go, but uh, as long as it needs to. Yeah, there are some other important parts that I think are really important that I progressed into an obsessive phase with exercise, which I think came from this very deep place of I wanted my life to be different. Um, and so I became overly obsessive with 
exercise and controlling my food. And that was sort of in my high school phase where I just exercised a lot because if some was good, more was better, you know, and I could just be more fit and more fit if I just worked out more and more. Um, And then that sort of scaled back. You know, I sort of woke up to that and said, this is a little extreme, which thankfully I did wake up to that. Um, But then in college, and of course, all of this is in hindsight, right? You never really catch it in the moment. But I trained for one marathon a year, very much so to kind of prove to other people that I could do this extreme thing and prove to myself. Plus, it kept me really fit and on track. And I had a goal. You know, I used fitness to really help me stay on track in other parts of my life. You know, I could be very rigid with my marathon training and then I could really focus on my school. Um, And then when I left college and remember, I became a personal trainer right away. So one would think you just have this figured out. But no, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Shocker to everyone who thinks that trainers have everything figured out. But I went through a period of time where I was adjusting to you know, real life, having a job, moved to a different city. I didn't know how to cook really. And I just didn't even really know how to train outside of endurance racing and some strength training. And my body type just doesn't actually love marathon training. Shocker. Um, and so I went through this phase where then I gained some more weight and didn't really know what I was doing. And cut to the end of the story, which will zip us up to where we are. And then we can kind of dissect some of these parts of the story, but we got to go back. There's yeah. there's some meat in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then in 2011, I found obstacle racing and it changed the game for me. It helped me to realize I could exercise and work out for a purpose that wasn't just mileage, which my body wasn't loving. Um, and I could go to an event, a race, and I could try something and maybe I would fail. Maybe I would succeed. And then I could go home and I could train specifically for something. And since I had never really been into sports, I didn't get that sports specific training and now I'm better at it. And then I go back and I work on a technique. And so I've been obstacle racing for going on seven years now. I've done three 24 hour obstacle races in the desert and it has led me to a really healthy place, you know, in that transition to the ninja gym and led me to a great place where I want to be able to move my body for the rest of my life in different ways. And I view exercise as a self-care practice, not as a punishment, which I definitely used to. Um, So it's a much healthier version of it. Okay. Can we unpack now or is there more? Uh, We can go back. Yeah. Um, You know, that's an awesome journey. And and I love where you got to. I didn't know about 24-hour desert obstacle races. That's very interesting stuff. Um, But there's two things that you said before that really stood out to me that I was like, we definitely have to go back to this because you just sort of said, you know, you you were struggling, the teachers are passing you. And then a little bit later on, you you just sort of got motivated to be fit and athletic and capable and all that. And I'm like, well, how did you just get motivated? And you had to be pretty young to come to that kind of realization. So what, what's behind that? And I know maybe there's hindsight at play, but that's okay. Like what, what do you think it was that brought you to that point and why was it so powerful for you? Because a lot of kids don't stick with things at that age. Yeah, it, it's twofold. One, my family and my extended family are relatively unhealthy and fairly sedentary. 
And I just observed that at an early age and thought, man, I don't really want, I want to be able to move. Like I want to have a life where I can go out and do things and be healthy. And the second part of it is I was, you know, 11 or 12 and super impressionable by the kids in your class. And to me, the cool kids were the athletic kids who could do sports and could be on a team. And I desperately wanted to fit in. And I thought, well, if that's the way, you know, so it was kind of both. It was this social thing that I interpreted as the way to fit in. And I also just saw that, you know, being sedentary was not the way I wanted to live my life. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a mix of some external motivation about fitting in, but then also some internal about your values and, and what you want from your life. Which yeah. Again, and I'm once I, with, well, wait, how old are you at that point? Uh, 11, 12. That's mind blowing. Like mm-hmm, 11 and 13. 12 year olds don't tend to have that level of like, I get the, the external piece. But the internal, like, Mm -hmm. I want better from my life. Maybe you didn't think of it quite that way then, but, like, you wanted something better for your life. And you seem seem like you were at least in touch with with some level of that. That's that's not – that level of maturity of understanding and of values and motivation is not common at that age. That's pretty powerful. I've always said I was an old soul, so I must have been an old soul then too. (laughs) Do you think there was a reason for that? Like, is there something in – I don't know, the, the way that you were brought up or the things that you've naturally taken to, like, do you, does that seem outlandish or, or actually did that feel like par for the course? Like that's who you were. It's funny you mentioned that. Have you, and I don't remember if we talked about this on our interview, but have you taken Gretchen Rubin's tendency quiz? So we, it's the I personality we, quiz. Yeah, I think we talked about it. I haven't taken it, but I had just listened to her interview on the Rich Roll podcast. And so I was like, I haven't taken it, but I was totally up to speed on it at that point. And now mm-hmm. my, that's a long time ago in, in the, the dog years that I lived. So I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of forgetting a lot of it. But um, that's OK. Yeah, go I, ahead. It, the brief for people listening is it's another great just way of understanding yourself and how you it's essentially determining how you stay accountable and what motivates you. And so I'm a questioner, which really means if something makes sense to me. There is no question. I will always be accountable to it, which is why it makes sense that I just could observe that, wow, health and fitness and eating well and taking care of yourself and moving your body, that's like the key to a really great life. Um, So there's just no question now because now it just makes sense to me. So I'm just going to I'm just going to do that. And I have made many decisions that way in my life. Like when I went to college, I stepped one foot on campus and I said, this is it. It just made sense. It felt good. I knew it was right. So I think it's just another example, an early example, but another example of just it felt right. And I just knew that I had to follow that path. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, Yeah, the only thing I could remember from the whole conversation was the obliger piece. And that's just because they they focused on it a lot. Um, Yeah. It's a really interesting. I, I want to go back and and check back into her work because even if you aren't quite sure where you fit in, just that introspection of thinking through it and thinking about the different types. And, and obviously, if you read her book, you get there. Um, I think that's a journey people should take because you start to unpack things about how you are in the world and how you respond to people and what your values are. It's really valuable 
work that we mm-hmm. all need to do on ourselves. Even if you're, you know, going into it, you're like, well, I'm not one of those. You know, I'm not one of those types. I can't, you can't fit me into a box. Fine. But well, there's a rebel box. So yes, those of you is. who say there's that there's not a box for me, there is. It's the rebel box. Yeah. <laughs> but some people might hear that and be like, I'm not a rebel. You know, I just yeah, don't. Right. I'm also not an obliger. I'm not a questioner and, and forget the other one. But um, either way, it's, again, like spending that time to understand, understand yourself is crucially valuable, especially if you ever want to achieve more in your Well, and on that note, yeah, and to support that, I, it really clicked for me when I took that quiz about why I struggled at my job, because they would ask me to do things that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And so I had such a hard time. I'm not one of those people who, because the boss says, do this, I just do it. No, I need to understand it needs to make sense. And, you know, I need to know how it's going to lead me down this path. And so... When I took that, I thought, oh, my God, that really explains a lot of things in my life. Yeah, because I say so is not actually really that valid of a reason Maybe when you're like four. But beyond that, yeah. it, gets, it gets hard to just take that. Yeah, exactly. So there's like a, a flip side realization later when you realize you're overdoing it, over like obsessing about fitness side and you recognize that. So how did, how did that realization come about? Was it the same sort of thing and you just, you saw the facts or what drove that and how old were you? You know, it's funny how things definitely come in moments, right? So I had been going to the YMCA and I would go after school until like eight o'clock at night. I would take all these fitness classes. I would lift, I would run. And it really was becoming an obsession and a compulsion. And I remember we had a snow day. We got out of school early and my mom was like, okay, I'll see you at home. And I'm like, no, I'm going to the gym. Like that's what I do after school. And there's a huge blizzard, right? But in your, in your obsessive mind, you can't really reason with that. And so I remember I was driving there cause I was going to go to the gym and I just went off of like an exit ramp, a turn and I remember my car kind of spun around a couple times. Everything was fine. But in that one moment, I'm like, well, this is stupid. Like I could have gotten in a really severe car accident on my way to the gym. And I'm pretty sure I went home. I hope that I did. My memory (laughs) of that moment sort of, you know, blanks out after that. But so you had a little bit of wake up. Yeah. And I toned it down a little bit. I still... And I can see it now that transition to marathon training and like excessive exercise still with mileage. Then it was just disguised by, well, I have to go for a four hour run because that's marathon training. Yeah. 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 It's not you. It's that's what you have to do. That's right. And people would be really impressed. And so there's always been this mix of me trying to like break down who I was and prove that now I'm this. But what's funny is I still would have a hard time if someone tried to call me an athlete, I would still not be able to say that that was true. Hmm. So those stories that you have when you're little and how they stick with you. And, um, you know, I, I know I fought back from those stories with exercise for a long time, trying to prove to other people. That I was fit or that I was an athlete. And I, just, I, I lost you for a second. Is you, if you need to, I heard your phone. If you need to take care of that, that's cool. Okay. Oh. 
Your mic's still out. It's quiet. No. I can hear you, but it's much quieter than it was before. No, it's okay. I want to be gracious. I don't want to say anything, but I want to make sure that it records okay. Yeah, this is uh, this is way too low, though. I can't pull this up. There. All right. Okay. A little bit, yeah. It's there's something like muted about it. It's weird. Is the mic well positioned? I can hear you. I'm gonna um I'm gonna stop the recording and restart it so then it's two separate files and then I can play with the audio on one of them at least. Uh all right, hang on. Okay. Give it a shot. I can hear you, yeah. It's still it's still muffled, but um we'll go with it. I I'll try to talk quietly so that it's not like two crazy levels of audio. That's weird. Computers. We're still here. Um, where, do you remember where you were at roughly? We can restart that bit. Okay. 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 Jump in. Still having issues with it? No, it's the same. Sorry, when you when you unplugged it it was actually better. It's just less clear, but it was louder. You can try, sure. I can, yeah, it's pretty loud. Yeah, do that. Just bear in mind that it's picking it up really well, so it's it's got plenty of volume. Okay. Yeah. I can I can listen to what we got if that's helpful, but um so what was really important to me is that I was trying to overcome a lot of past stories instead of doing a healthy behavior for me. And I know when people start exercising, because I've seen this with clients, I've seen it with myself, that you do it for often an external reason, which is not always a bad place to start. But 
in order to be successful in the long term, like it has for me, I think you really have to transition into a, how does this help my life? How do I feel healthier? And it doesn't always have to relate to other people. Yeah, I would say it shouldn't relate to other people. That's like, that's not a long term successful approach. Because you can't, you know, you, you need something that's within you that's going to stay with you no matter where you are, or who you're around. Well, let me ask you this question. When people say, because I've heard this with clients and I've heard other trainers use this as a way to um, have clients identify with the goal. They'll say, well, you know, is one of your goals to be able to pick up your grandchildren or to go on this trip or to super common? Yeah. Do you think that that's a really intrinsic personal goal or is that still a for someone else kind of goal? I think it's for someone else. But the thing about it to me is I think it's on the path. They just still are too surface level. So it's really necessary to do more of the introspection to figure out like, that's fine. You want to be able to pick up your grandkids or your children or enjoy your retirement or any of those things. But why are you stopping there? You need to ask why, like, why does that matter to you? And it's like, there's a piece of it that's like, well, duh, you know, like I want to pick up my grandkids because I'm going to love them or like, like it seems very obvious, but seeming obvious leaves too much open to in those toughest moments or the moments where you have to make choices that you may not want to make. You know, you may want to go down the path that's actually not helpful or not in line with your goals. If you don't really understand the underlying driver, it's not going to get you through the tough time. Like it's fine when everything's good and you've got, you know, someone you're paying to keep you honest about working out. It's another thing when you're on your own, left to your own devices, are you going to do what you need to do? And that's what I found is like, you know, those, those external motivations, they're all nice and they're fine and they can work most of the time. But it's really about why that thing mattered to you in the first place. And if you can get down to that level, then it'll endure regardless of what else is happening. And that's like, that's how you ultimately get to success. I think, you know, this is all my take on it, but I've been there, you know, I've done it for the external, just doesn't, doesn't last ultimately. Yeah. And and I think that's where people struggle with that long-term is they come in with a very shallow goal, which gets, and I say shallow, not as in a bad goal, like you said, it's just, that's the first place you start. Yeah. I say um, surface level. Cause people like, I agree with you. It's just shallow, like, but it, it has that other connotation. So it's like, whatever it is, it's not, it's not at the heart of the whole thing. Right. Right. And for me, all of my story, ultimately, whether I did it for other people, whether I did it to meet this external goal, X, Y, Z. Now I can truly say, moving my body and having a healthy lifestyle helps me creatively with my job, helps me to help other people, helps me to feel better during my day, helps me to have more energy. And I just know on the days when I'm not moving, I just don't feel as good. So that fundamental connection to why I do it is really like, I want to have a good day. I want to feel good. I want to experience life with my body. Um, And so I know that I had to go through just all those different evolutions of why to get to this point. And everybody does too. Um, But you do, you need something deeper that's just for you. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Do you know what it is for you? Because you've had, you've had these, 
I wouldn't say ups and downs, but movements from one extreme to the other where you were not, you, you didn't have the body you wanted to have, not necessarily from the look standpoint, but from the standpoint of what it could do all the way to, you know, super capable physical, um, physical machine, but maybe going too far down that path. And, and now, I mean, there's people who may say like, you're still really intense, but it sounds like you have balance and you enjoy it and you're not like in this unhealthy place with it. So what, what's, what's motivated you? What's kept you true to it? (laughs) I just sort of laughed when you said there are people who might say, um, that it's too extreme. And when you train for 24 hour events, people definitely do say that's extreme. That's a little much. Um, but to me, those, mm, let me, let me back up and say when I was running marathons and that goal was to run a marathon and I had to do these long runs, it really was, I think, to prove to other people that I could do it and have them say, wow, you ran a marathon. That's so cool. Where now I want to see what I can do for me. Can I do that race? Can I do that obstacle? Yeah. People say, wow, I can't believe you do that. And that's really impressive, which sure that's validating. That feels good. But deep down, I just know it's part of me just developing as I get older. What can I do? What, where can I push myself? And it's not always going to be for people physically, but for me, it is like to move my life forward and to challenge myself. A lot of that just comes through being physical. What can I do with my body? And that's what keeps me motivated now. Nice. Yeah, it is. Um, as you were talking about that with the marathon and stuff, it took me back to mine and I'm not trying to make this about me. Um, but, uh, I didn't, my marathon experience, uh, in 2015 was not what I wanted it to be. Like the, the training was amazing. That was beautiful. There were ups and downs, but I loved that. It was probably one of my favorite times of life. Um, but the marathon itself, I had a bunch of physical things that went wrong. I was sick. Um, like whatever that just, that was like, that led to a, a domino effect. Um, but everyone I talked to was like, that's amazing. You finished. And that's so great. And, um, but I was so, I wasn't happy with how it went for me. It wasn't about any of them since like, you know, that the, the impressiveness of it and the, the people having admiration or whatever, like all that was there, but that has nothing to do with why I did it. Now, I'm in right. a better place with it now because I've had time to reflect and, and try to understand it better and pull out more of the good and the growth from it. And also a bit more self-love and like stop beating yourself up. It's more like the loss of, I trained for five months and to have all of that effort and then have it not play out in in one day, which is like, look, that's life. These things can happen. Um, you know, weddings that are like intricately and perfectly planned and they're outdoor weddings. Then it's like this huge thunderstorm. It doesn't matter how long you spent planning for it and how much you put into it financially. Like the weather's the weather. Um, but you know, you still like, you get sad about the day, I guess. So it, it was, it was, uh, just interesting for me that that outward piece, which was my original reason for losing weight when I was a teenager, was about not being judged as the fat kid by people. Fast forward to the marathon training, the outward, you know, the judgment of people like that, that couldn't pull me out of that negative place that I was at that moment. So it's interesting, like just how inwardly focused my motivation was for better or worse at that time. True, true. And for me, I had an experience similar second year we went to our 24-hour race in the desert and 
we still got 50 miles. Really impressive. Really awesome. I'm still proud of it. But guess what? We finished probably about an hour. Like we were in this limbo of could we go out and do another lap and still make it back in time? Or Mm. should we be done and wait like a half an hour for the finish line to open and go in? You know, it was this delicate balance and we didn't, we didn't go out again and we totally could have. And it haunts me because I know I didn't push how I could have. Yeah. And like other people were like, you still got 50 miles. That's still really awesome. And I said, yep. And I'm still really proud of that. I'm proud of what I did do, but I know internally I didn't do what I could have done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really hard. Yeah. But it makes me happy to know that I am in a better mindset where it is for me, you know, in terms of going out and performing versus the way it used to be. And, um, that's a good place to be, but like you said, for better or for worse, because you can drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Um, But without needing other people to validate it, it's really great. Yeah, no, it's very true. And you just, what you have to do is you have to find how to be comfortable yourself, regardless of what the outcome is. If you, if you actually put in what you needed to put in, um, and it sounds like that's kind of the reason why you were less comfortable with it. Cause you didn't feel that way about it. Right. But what if, if you, I, I don't know the, the rules of that race, but if you went out and got three quarters of the way around, what happens then? So you're not at the finish line at that time, or do you still get like what happens at the 24 hour mark? You have a little extra buffer, so you do have some extra time, but you would have to complete a full lap for it to count. So if you know you can't get all the way around, it's kind of like, why go back out? Because if the time runs out and you're at mile three of five, you're going to get picked up on the cart and hauled in because you didn't make it all the way around. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. No, so... uh, (laughs) Would you have... So your finish would have been 50 miles if you went back out and didn't finish. Like didn't get to the finish line in time. So you actually had nothing to lose. Right. Except energy and risk and because you'd been running in the desert for 24 hours already. Right. Right. Yeah. Little things like that. Little things. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it sounds really, I mean, that must have been an amazing event. And and I'm guessing the uh, temperature extremes is, you know, some people know, some don't, that the desert's actually often like freezing cold at night, Mm -hmm. despite being 100 in the day or whatever. Yeah, many people will get medically disqualified for hypothermia, which people find really funny when you're talking about the desert because they don't know that to be true. But yeah, it's a great event. And um, for those of you listening who have piqued your interest, it's World's Toughest Mudder. It's not in Vegas anymore. It's not in the desert. They've moved it to Atlanta. But the first year I did it in 2015, I really will say it changed my life because I didn't know how far I could push myself and what I could do and the extent to which I could mentally stay strong. And what it has really taught me is a 24 hour race is not physical. It's mental. You know, you you being able to tell your body to keep going in the middle of the night when you're freezing and you're going in and out of water and up and over obstacles. And, you know, the coolest thing is that I learned that I can be very, very mentally tough. And I like that. That's pretty cool. Now I'm all curious about what it's like in Atlanta because Atlanta's hilly. It's not a desert. What's the, right. what's the, do you know what the setting is? Have you done it there or no? No, this will be the first year they're doing it in Atlanta. Okay. So it'll be a surprise. I have to say like, that doesn't interest me at all. The desert thing. 
Um, not that I like running on sand, but that sounds really interesting. Running in Atlanta sounds less so. I've, done, I've run in Atlanta. It's nothing against Atlanta. It just doesn't sound whatever. I got to look into what it is, but the desert was like, ooh, that's yeah. intriguing versus just another big city. Yeah, I know it's in a venue outside of Atlanta, but I okay. couldn't tell you where. So, you know, a place with big, and I have heard rumors that it's got a decent amount of elevation. So It's got to. Atlanta's so mm-hmm. hilly. I never knew that before running there. Yeah. Very, very hilly. Yeah. Um, there's some cool, like, quarries up by the Chattahoochee or something around there. There's some really neat trails and, and areas around there. So maybe it's, maybe it's in something like that. It could be, Yeah. yeah. Do you run, you run the whole 24 hours or is it a relay like Ragnar? No, you run just one person. I mean, like with people if you want, but yeah. you don't. Well, I take, race. I take that back. They do. They just did add a relay team. So you could have done that. So some of the top competitive teams did that. Um, but most of us average folks did not. But you average folks, you're an ultra marathoner. <laughs> That's not very average. The funny thing is I could never like today, if you asked me to go run a marathon, I would be like, no way. I, but, I cannot. But you would do 50 and 24 again. Yes. yes. But you couldn't do a marathon. No, you no. do. You do understand the math on that one. Right? It comes out a little bad. <laughs> I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's no, but all right. So I'll give you this. It's a little bit funny as part of me is like, I would totally do that. And and then the idea of running a marathon right now is less appealing. Right. And I, yeah, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's the pavement and the like 50,000 people part of it or what. I don't know. But I would like to run a marathon again at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is if you think about it, 50 miles in 24 hours is really only an average of two miles an hour if you're moving the whole time. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Right? So yeah. it's a lot of walking, too. Whereas a marathon, like, you got to run fairly hard for, you know, four however many hours in a row with no obstacles. There's no breaks. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's, yeah. I mean, the, the um, obviously, some of them have elevation changes, but that's that's a really big piece of it, too, that I think a lot of people don't realize until you do long events like that is your joints really have issues moving the exact same way. Like I did Chicago, which is extremely flat. Yeah. Um, you know, the elevation is really just these like little bridges over some sections of water. And actually they start to feel really uncomfortable until the end. Then there's like an uphill on a parking ramp to get into the park. And that's like brutal for people because your hips are totally shot by running, you know, totally flat for four hours plus for most people. Yes. I will say that I have been more sore from a marathon than I have from doing a 24-hour event. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. How many marathons did you do with this, like, one marathon a year chain that you were on? ended up with eight total. Oh. For you. Yeah. Or or not good for you, depending how you're looking at it again. But I'd say good for you. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. So we're, other than... uh, Maybe. Are you going to do the Atlanta event? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So other than the Atlanta event, what have you got going on? And what are you, and we haven't really talked about what you work on today with people and your podcasts and all that. So what's like all of this backstory feeds your current story. So what is that current story? Yeah. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I'm working on developing a couple of programs for essentially my former self, which like I mentioned, we often coach the versions of ourselves that came before and I I left my 
work at a big box club to start my own business almost three years ago. And I've been doing personal training and thinking in my head that I would, um, do more full-time coaching. But for some reason I kept having this really hard time getting it going. And I thought, I don't know why that is. Why is this such a struggle? Like I'm a great coach. I'm great personal trainer. Well, it's because the ideas that you have years ago haunt you until you actually execute on them. So when I first started my business, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a program, especially for young adults, think, you know, 18 to 25, just starting out, um, don't often have a great fitness routine, just like I didn't don't necessarily know about food or cooking, you know, everything is overwhelming when you're 23. And so I just, um, when this airs, hopefully it will be fully off the ground, but I am starting a program where we're doing both. We're doing a half hour of, uh, personal training and then we're coaching for 30 minutes. And it's been a really great experience to, um, see the young people really appreciate fitness and how it could be a part of their life for the long term. We're learning the basics. And then we're just talking about life. You know, what are your blocks? Why aren't you achieving your goals? And let's use the power of group think and group mentality to work through what you have going on because I guarantee the person sitting next to you over here is thinking the same thing. So it's been really fun to work on developing that. And I just sometimes transport myself back to what I would have wanted. And I think someone even said to me the other day, where was this program when I was 23? That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, I was going to ask which former self this was for, was this for the one who got passed by the teachers or is this for the one who was overtraining or the, you know, which, or is it all of them in different ways? Like what's the, what's the focus person? This one in particular is for the one where, I sort of fell out of my routine of things. I wasn't training when I first moved to Minnesota. I had graduated college and didn't really have a great handle on my health and had gained some weight and felt really, I think, really lost because everything was confusing, right? Like, I've got to learn this new job and I have to, you know, learn this new city and how to budget and what about money and friends. And life was just really in an upheaval at that point for those few years. And so, it's also to help people have a support during that time, which would have been really great to have. Hmm. That's really, I, I think that support piece is, that's a huge piece of it. Cause a lot of people do really, they feel alone and it's not that they're necessarily alone. Like they may have people in their lives, but those people aren't, aren't necessarily like on the, the level of where they're trying to go. Yeah. And so then, they have this something in them and maybe it's not strong enough yet, but something in them that wants better and they don't really know how to get there. And the people around them, it's not just that they're not, you know, they're not pushing them, but some of them will even make it harder on them, put them down or, you know, they, those people aren't ready to do that for themselves and misery loves company. And you don't want to be the only one, you know, making the the choices that maybe you shouldn't make. So you peer pressure the people who do want to make those choices. I just had someone approach me. Um, I just did a Ted talk the other day and this woman came up to me in the break and she had tears in her eyes and she's talking about her transformation and everything. And that her husband is totally in the opposite direction. And so he's always making fun of her for it and trying to pressure her to eat poorly and, you know, just sort of always eating dessert and, and huge portions. Cause he doesn't want to be alone with that, you know? Um, 
and she's like she's suffering yeah yeah and that's part of it is you know the the young adults that are in this group right now is a lot of it's just i don't know what i want to do and my friends all went and did all these other things and i don't know if i want to do that so similar to this woman in that I know that I want to take this path, but the immediate people in my life are maybe not doing what I want to do. And so I wanted to create an environment where they can be around other young adults who are in similar yet different situations mm. and be encouraged by that and be free to say, maybe I don't want to go to college and this is what I want to go do. Or, you know, this job that I got right out of college isn't what I really dreamed of. So I want to go do this and have a place where it's fine to say those things and people are excited for you. And the reason I know that I couldn't get sort of a quote unquote coaching business going is because I was leaving out the health and fitness part, which is so core to me as a person. And I don't think that I can adequately coach people without having that piece. And so bringing them into the gym, teaching them about the foundations of strength training in the same session as doing coaching makes me feel like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And it has really been working for them too. Well, good for you for recognizing what matters to you. And I think that makes all the difference in the world and what kind of coach you work with is if they're, if, if their approach doesn't actually jive with who they are and what their values are, you'll feel it and you're not going to get that kind of inspirational, motivational connection that you need because there's something, it's not that they're not genuine, but they're missing a piece of their genuineness and you'll feel it. So good for you for recognizing that and offering something that ties to what you're really about. Well, and it's because I struggled for so long being like, why can't I build this business? There's something that's not working. And yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to sit quietly with yourself and figure it out. Lindsay, I want to just touch on where your podcast fits into this. So, you know, that's, I mentioned it in the opener, that that's how I found you or you found me. I think I found you and, and asked you, please, please let me be on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mind, muscle and movement, like where does that, I think hearing the title of it, people can probably guess, but is that still going to be part of the picture and how does that contribute to what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, it's funny. When I first started my business, I went to um, a branding specialist and very early on she could identify and I didn't know her. She identified those three tenants. And at the beginning, they felt fine. I was like, oh, yeah, mind, muscle and movement. And um, I used it in my branding for my website, but didn't really put a lot of thought into it. And then as I was wanting to start a podcast, I had the same struggle that I had again, which was, what am I going to call it? What's the podcast going to be called? What's going to be the point of it? And one day I thought, well, duh, it's in your branding. Why yeah. don't you just use what is already so essential to you? So it was, it's so cool to be able to look back and know that someone who I didn't know could see me so clearly. Um, and I can use that to carry through. So yeah, mindset and engaging your mind. So the slogan is engage your mind, strengthen your muscle and experience movement. Um, and it just really sums up everything that I try to do in my life. And it was such a great, um, overview for a podcast, right? We can talk about 
mindset. We can talk about exercise and strength training, and we can talk about how to create movement in your life, which all of that just ties directly together. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I love hearing about how it's all just like everything that you're doing is tied to the same purpose and theme. And I think people should take a bit of inspiration from that too, because we so often do things that don't really speak to who we are. Um, I was, so I was just talking to someone yesterday about this podcast that I was listening to a while ago. It was actually a friend of mine hosts it and he co-hosts it with a friend of his and the, the friend of the friend, this is getting too complicated. I should just say their names, but um, the guy's name is uh, Dr. Kayvon K and they call him Dr. K. So he's, he's talking about, he's kind of like Yoda. Like there's no try and try and um, there's only like do and do not. There's no try. So he's like, there's there's no there's no like there's only love or don't love or you could say hate if you you know depends if you want to avoid using that word um we don't use it around the house my son gets all upset he's like that's a bad word daddy um but so his point is like if you don't love something you don't do it yeah so only do what you love and you know there's a bit of utopian views in there like i don't love paying the bills but kind of got to do that you know um but i, I know, love the house I, I was just in. gonna say I, lo- I love the roof over the head you know that's a that's a nice thing um I certainly love the air conditioner in the summer and the heat yeah. in the winter and so yeah I mean it's it's a facilitating point to that but um you know being more ruthless with that hard line between doing what you love and not doing what you don't love will lead to a much better life and he I mean he's completely changed his life like he's a he's a medical doctor but he doesn't practice anything because he realized what he really loves and it's still helping people, but it's different. It's more on the coaching side. And yes. that was a you know huge transition. And you get to think like all the, the, the debates he must've gone through in his head about the years of schooling and residency and it, like all of it, he's basically walking away from because that's more on the not love side now. Um, but staying true to that and, and hearing about all these pieces of what you're building or have built and are and bringing together as you move forward. Um, that's really inspiring. And I hope that people take that away beyond the rest of your message. Cause that's a, that's a really big piece that I think a lot of us just don't really do so well on. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, one of the last tidbits I'd love to leave your listeners with is it is definitely a lesson I have learned as I have had, my own business is where is my energy best spent and how can I protect my energy? Um, you know, do the things I have to do for sure. But even just with my schedule, what, when am I more effective at doing certain things and how does that make my day flow and what should I say yes or no to? I mean, I love having a good discussion about setting boundaries and saying yes and no to things, but you really do just have to tune in to where your energy lies and where you want it to go and let that guide you. That's really good advice. Really, really good advice. Um, Awesome. Is there anything that is on your mind that like, Brian, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you ask me about that? Like it's, it's such a crucial thing for people to get. Is there something we're not touching on? I don't think so. I just know if you're anything like me, when you have interviews on your podcast, you're just like, we could talk for four hours and how do we even narrow it down to, you know, a short interview. So I'm sure there are things that would be great to talk about, but I really appreciate you having me on and letting me share my, 
my health and fitness experience, and hopefully it will identify with people in their journey. I'm sure it will. Lindsay, where can people find you? Oh, gosh. You can go to my website, lindsayheiserman.com. You can listen to my podcast at Mind, Muscle, and Movement. It's on iTunes. Um, you, I'm sure you can find me if you want on social channels, Instagram. I think it's lindsay.heiserman. Um, just come on over and connect. Cool. And obviously, I will link to all that in the, the episode page and show notes and all that stuff so people can find you easily. And they should find you because there's a lot of really good content there. And um, you've got you've had some awesome guests on and pull out really good insights from them. So it's worth listening. Thank you so much. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. And if people didn't get this message from hearing you and all the things that you've achieved and are driving for, then I just want to drive it back in that today is a new day. Go do it. Awesome. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks, Brian. That's great. Lindsay's, Lindsay's awesome. I, you know, I go back to the clip I used in the intro for this about trying to overcome the past stories instead of focusing on what's best for her right now. And that's what we all do. I mean, that's like, that's why she had to be on the show, right? Like that's a key part of a do a day. It's the past stories are not the definition of you. The past stories are not even happening right now unless you relive them. And that's your choice. So I think that's a lot to reflect on. And there's so much more about you know, just pushing yourself forward and seeing what you're capable of and not judging yourself along the way, but seeing it as opportunity and the ability to fulfill that opportunity. Awesome message. Definitely check out Lindsay, follow her at lindsayheiserman.com. I will link to that in the show notes so you can get there easily. And follow me at Brian Falchuk. Shameless plug. Um, I don't I don't do that to get my numbers up. I do that because I want to share the message with people. And I share a lot on social media. Uh, I share a lot here. So it means a lot to know that people are getting it. So you can easily follow me at Brian Falchuk or go to brianfalchuk.com and you can get the links to all that. And of course, you can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can get links to that at doadaybook.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see the reviews, know what you're thinking, give me feedback. And yeah, just connect with me. It means a lot. So stop letting the past be your definition of today. You have opportunity and you have every right to go after it. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Thanks.